Greetings, this is an In the Finest Hour hot take episode of Adepticon featuring On the Foot Joshua Death and myself here in Oregon, just kind of giving him someone to talk to so he doesn't sound like he's talking to a box. How you guys doing? Hey, Josh. How are you holding up? Oh, holding up pretty good over here in uh, rainy Corvallis. Oh, yay. Uh, it's not rainy here. It's actually probably one of the nicest weathered Adepticons I've been to in a while. That is a good point. You are a veteran of Adepticon. Yeah, I've definitely been to a few. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually, the very first Adepticon I went to was in 2000, 2002. It was the very first Adepticon I went to a long, long time ago. That was your first big event, right? I think. Yeah, actually, now I think about it. That was my first. Well, and the funny thing is, it wasn't even like a major event back then. I mean, it was it was big, but it wasn't like nothing like we have now. I mean, back then, for it to be a major event, uh, they, I mean, they had exhibitors, they had booths, but it was the... It was the first real major, like what you consider your tabletop convention, because it was all dedicated to tabletop. That was, was all there for. And, uh, I remember Joe Orteza came out that year, did give the sculpting classes. Wow. Uh, Paul Sawyer, Paul Sawyer, the original, one of the, the main, the head writer, the head, sorry, the head editor, editor in chief of the White Dwarf magazine flew over from the UK that year. Awesome. Was kind of there, just kind of overseeing and looking at things. And uh, after I, I remember I won the, I won the the 40k event. Mm-hmm. I ended up playing. Uh, I know he requested. He actually asked to to play a game with me. And uh, I unfortunately had two armies on me at the time. I had a really really shitty Catachan jungle fighter army, and <laughs> I had my space wolf army that I won the tournament with. And I, for some reason, in good conscience, couldn't you know pound on Paul Sawyer because I mean he was he was a name at the time. Oh yeah. Um, and so, so I gave him my space wolf list and I ran my, my little Catachan jungle fighters and just got wholesale curb stomped by Paul Sawyer with my own army. It was great. And it was, it was like, that was a highlight for years for me. So yeah, it was great. Uh, <laughs> and then I was actually out of it. I, I didn't, uh, I went to a couple of Depticons early and then I got stationed over on the West Coast and did the whole military thing and the marriage and cars and kids and houses and all that. And mm-hmm. I think I went back to my first Depticon five years ago. It's the first one I've been back to since 03. All right. And uh, I've been loving it ever since. That's quite the journey. Even though you went to back to start going back a little more recently, you've still been to way more than I have. So what's a more modern scale, a typical Adepticon look like sound wise, people wise? What's the con experience like? The con experience at Adepticon is is really a unique, mm-hmm. a truly unique experience. So the, the reason Adepticon is very unique, it's not LBO, it's not Nova Open. Adepticon is its own thing and the reason it's its own thing is uh it's definitely a con yes it's not so lv lvo is a tournament you know you cut out all the, the little added fluff there and all this stuff here and there but it, lvo is a tournament it's just a really big tournament it's a tournament that happens to have a vendor section in the side and occasional demo tables but you're you're right it is mostly tournament you just see seeds of tables exactly exactly and it has other events going on Mm-hmm. And Nova Open, it's more of a convention in that it's still definitely tabletop oriented, but it's just a giant charity. Yeah. It's a, it's a charity event that's just gone off the rails because it is just giant, but it's still a charity event. I mean, everything they do is for charity. Yeah. And they do raffles and fundraisers and all that, and they still have a couple tournaments within it that are kind of focused on it, but they do everything. They do Blood Bowl, they do Infinity, they do a whole shebang at the Nova. Mm-hmm. Adepticon is a con. Yeah. It is, it is 100% a con. I mean, there's cosplay all over the place. There's the vendor hall 
this year, man, the vendor hall here is is almost rivaling good half to two thirds of Gen Con's vendor hall. It's huge. Wow. Literally the biggest tabletop event in the um, America. For distributors and vendors, yes, it is. Gen Con is the biggest. It is the name in in when you're... No, no, I, I meant tabletop event. I think Adepticon's the biggest tabletop event in this country. Oh, Adepticon? Yes, hands down. Oh, hands down. Yes, hands down, without a doubt. I would almost argue world, depending on the number of participants. I would, in being a dedicated tabletop there, I would, I would almost argue, don't quote me on it, but I would almost argue world, because... Mm. Just to sheer vast. I mean, this year alone, they they have so many guests at the hotel this year. And I mean, this is a major, it's a convention center hotel. Okay. This is a full convention hotel. Okay. And they have so many guests. Designed to hold this many people. Yep. They have gone so far as far as capacity that they have the parking lot. Mm-hmm. Sorry, all four parking lots are completely full to the point where Every perimeter of every parking lot, literally every flat edge of curb is also covered with cars. They even had to rent parking spaces at a local college about a mile up the road and shuttle people every 15 minutes through every day of the event. They have a shuttle going just to bring people back and forth because they have that many attendees here. Wow. It's that big. Okay. That's crazy. And it is. It's huge. It's massive. And I mean, there's cosplay everywhere. So if you can avoid having a car at Adepticon, avoid having a car at Adepticon? Yeah, it's the only incentive I would ever tell people to actually stay at the venue if you can. Obviously, it's more expensive because it's a massive venue. Yeah. But the only the only thing that I would ever, if you don't want to have to deal with parking or driving or any of that, then yeah, definitely. Um, Definitely get it. That'd be a, an incentive to get a, a room at the venue. Now, I will say this. Adepticon is a premier location. I mean, you're literally on the west side of Chicago. Some of the best food in the country. Mm-hmm. We just went out last night and had deep dish Giordano's pizza. And I'm talking like true Chicago style deep dish pizza. Excellent. Uh, tonight we're going out to a place called Portillo's, which is literally they specialize in Chicago hot dogs and pasta and stuff. So Nice. You know, I mean, just some of the best food you can imagine because it's Chicago. You know, one of the things Chicago is known for is their food. So it's a really good opportunity. Yeah. The vendors are amazing. GW and Forge World both are here in force. Bigger force than LVO was last year? Oh, but, uh, uh, dwarfs it. Okay. I'm not even exaggerating. As far as their vendor presence, yes, easily, easily. I, I'm going to disrupt you for two seconds and tell the listeners. Yeah. I have literally never been to Adepticon before, so I'm comparing it to the one big gaming event I've been to, and that's LVO. Yes. So they have, uh, they do have their Forge World and Games Workshop booths here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so far, the last two days, because it, it uh, so everything opened up yesterday morning, mm-hmm. uh, the last two days, there has been, on average, of the people that I've talked to, it is about an hour to an hour and a half wait in line to get into the Forge World or GW booth. Holy crap. The line literally goes out the convention hall, down the hallway, and around the corner. Jeebus. That's just to get into the Forge Rolling Games Workshop booth. So yeah, uh, 100%. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And they have event exclusive stuff. They got, they got special custom objective markers that GW is selling. You can only get here. They have special custom dice trays. Of course. All the swag, all the swag you can imagine, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's definitely a big event. It's awesome. It's huge. Definitely, if you've ever, if you live in this world, if you're in the Warhammer world or the tabletop world or whatever, it, it's a bucket list item. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, if you ever get a chance, just come out to one of them. It really is a great event to go to. I only ever come here for the tournament. All right, fair enough. 
I, I will also advise to our autistic listeners that uh, having been a veteran of conventions in general myself, getting an on-site hotel means you can go take a break and you don't have to go really far to take a break. Yes. So if you're one of those people who can get overwhelmed by bodies. Yes. When you have this stuff, this level of population. Yeah. It, it might be worth the money to not have the headache of trying to escape. Yeah, I, I actually, I wholeheartedly support that. Uh, same thing for any of like the listeners, like, you know, we got any of the guys or girls out there that listen that are uh, like, you know, prior veterans or whatever, PTSD or anything, same concept. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's something that, uh, you know, these big, large crowds can sign get to you at times, definitely recommend going to the venue, uh, venue room because they have plenty of rooms. They have really good rates. I, I recommend it. Uh, another trick is uh, if you have friends that good friends that are rooming on site, if you are not able to uh, see if the Lingio hotel key so you can escape to their room. Yeah. Just go find a place to sit for a few minutes. And it's a great thing. And they do have quite a few side rooms that are also really quiet. They have little side gaming rooms and all that stuff. But a lot of times are, you know, various hours that they are quiet. You can always step into worst case scenario. Yeah. I, I've noticed that some of the bigger cons have actually made designated quiet spaces. It could very well be that Adepticon does have a quiet room. I have no idea. It, it very like, I, I personally don't know 100% because I've never actually uh, sought it out, but I, I very well would expect that, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly of a size where that's plausible. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, excellent. So let, let's let's transition into the 40k part of this. What's the champs like? Ooh, yeah. So the champs. Uh, so the champs event. Uh, there's a lot of people always asking, you know, what's the difference between Adepticon, Nova, and LVO as far as like the actual 40k tournament? Yeah. And I always tell people that they are three completely separate animals. They are completely separate beasts on their own. LVO is obviously the culmination of the ITC, so it is pure 100% ITC. Yep. Uh, the Nova Open, very different. Nova Open, there are every single table, every single table at the Nova Open has the exact same terrain layout, 100% identical, across every table. And you can find that out in advance. Yep, and you can. You know exactly what the tables are going to look like before you even get there. On top of that, the Nova missions are insanely, insanely different compared to LVO and Adepticon in that a lot of their missions are very, it's one, it's in the player's choice. There's, there's you decisions in almost every aspect of, do you want to play progressive or endgame? Do you want to go for these secondaries or these tertiaries or whatever? It's all within the, the control of the player mm-hmm. of what objectives you're going to go for. And so it, it definitely, uh, uh, lends itself to a different style of play. Yeah. And so that's something you always have to be aware of going into that. So, Nova missions is that style. Though I will say the Nova secondaries and the ITC secondaries are every year look a little closer. There's a lot of overlap there now. They are. They are slowly coming into alignment. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Adepticon, completely different. One thing that Adepticon is very well known for is it's it's very well known in the community. Adepticon's terrain is definitely on the lighter side when it comes to line of sight blocking terrain. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm not going to say they're lacking in terrain, but in some, some areas, some large line of sight blocking pieces, yes, they are lacking and they know it. They've been slowly building up their terrain over the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they were one of the big, massive events before big, massive events were a thing. And so they had a massive, massive inventory of terrain that they don't just want to throw away because it's not usable anymore. Yeah. So they've slowly been working to transition their terrain, integrate new terrain, so on and so forth. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame them. And I'm told it's beautiful terrain. Yeah, it is good-looking terrain. It's just a practicality on some of it isn't quite as good because in a world that 8th edition rules, it's it's a different different beast. Yeah. So you have to take that into account when you come into the into the Adepticon missions is the terrain is definitely going to be a factor because it's not like Nova. It's not like LVO. 
And there's going to be a lot of, a lot less line of sight blocking than you're probably used to or expecting. So be aware of that and be prepped for that. Yeah. Secondly, the missions. The missions are very, 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 uh, so there's four missions total because you play four games one day. And in that one day, that determines on the top 16 players and whether they go on to day two. How long are the rounds? Uh, two hours, 45 minutes. Okay. And th- does that include terrain placement? Because I believe that's also an Adepticon thing. That does. Yes, it is player placed terrain at Adepticon, meaning you, it's just like other rule books, both will die. And all the, the players themselves actually set the terrain on the table, alternating placing pieces. Jeebus. Which is a whole nother concept in and of itself. I mean, that's, that's something a lot of players aren't used to that. So that's a whole different ballgame for some players. They're not used, they're not ready for that. And all of a sudden they're like, wait, you're putting that right in the middle of the table. Why? And then they didn't realize that they didn't see it coming. Yep. So again, you have to prepare for that. Um, on top of that, their missions, they have four. And so again, I, I, as I mentioned a little second ago, and I, and I kind of glossed over it and I apologize. Mm-hmm. You play four games on your first day. Jesus. That's a lot of Warhammer in one day. You're there at eight o'clock in the morning. You're not getting done till about nine, 10 o'clock at night. And it's a lot of Warhammer in one day. And on top of that, if you're doing well and you've gone 3-0 and you're playing your fourth game, there's a lot of pressure on that. And you're already tired. Your opponent's tired. Egos are flaring. Tempers are flaring. You both want to, you, you both know if you lose, you're probably out of the running for the top 16 because that's it. They only take 16 players into day two. Mm-hmm. You don't make 16, you're done. Your tournament, your, your championship's over right there. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's some of the hardest games I've ever played personally is round four at the Adepticon because if you're in the running, you want it and your opponent wants it and you both know that whoever loses probably isn't getting it. And so it's very high stress. And that's that's the hard part to like play super clean and careful and all that other crap because you're tired and emotional. It is, especially yeah, you're four games in. You're you're emotional, your brain's fried, you're jello. You put those two together and mistakes happen. And when mistakes happen, people get pissed off and it causes even more problems. So the fourth game at Adepticon is always really, really kind of a rough round for some people because they're not ready for it. Um, but yeah, so you do the four games and the way they do their missions is the first mission is a, a progressive scoring. Mm-hmm. Second mission is end game scoring. Mm-hmm. Third mission, progressive. Fourth game mission, end game. So there's a diversity of those in every game. Okay. In, in the different games, either you're scoring end game or you're scoring progressive. Mm-hmm. And there are secondaries in all four missions were some version of kill points. So in the progressive missions, yeah, in the progressive missions, it was every hundred points of your opponent's army at the end of the game that was killed was worth a victory point. Real easy. Fair enough. The end game missions where the, the objectives are end game, so missions two and four, those ones were, it's a modified Number of point, yeah, number of wounds you do to your opponent's army on your during the each battle round determines how many points you score, up to a maximum of three points for the battle round. Mm. And you can only get up to twelve points for the secondary. So, and it's it's like something like uh, if you do zero to ten wounds to non-vehicle units, it's zero points. If you do eleven to seventeen, it's one point. Uh, Eighteen to twenty-four is two points, and twenty-five. A plus is three points or something like that. Okay. And so you you have to do so many wounds each battle round to get those points. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a it's a very different concept. That was actually a new thing this year too. Um, but so you have those your primaries are the objectives, but in, only on half the games does it actually matter in, in the middle of the game. Otherwise, it's just end game. Mm. And then your secondaries are having to do with you killing stuff either during the game or end game. And then the tertiaries are the same for every mission. It's line breaker, which is just like line breaker is normally. Solo blood, which is uh, if you in one battle round kill a unit and your opponent does not, and then vanguard, 
if at the start of one of your turns you have two of your units, two of your units, wholly within your opponent's deployment zone, and each of those are worth two points. Okay. Now, the huge place where Adepticon differs from both Nova and LVO is the way they do their final scoring for a game. And the way they do their final scoring is it's a differential based off of a 20-point start. So if, let's say, I am playing against, if I'm playing against my opponents, um, so let's just say I'm playing against my opponents and uh, I get, uh, let's say I got 22 points and he got 16 points, okay? Mm-hmm. And there's a six-point differential between my opponent and I. That's the difference between our two scores. Yes. So then what we do is we start at 20 points, I add six points, he subtracts six points. Okay. So then I get 26, he gets 14. Mm-hmm. And the way this works is every single table, every table that has it is played in a round, there's 40 points at that table. 40 points and is it is distributed at that table. How you divide up those points between you and your opponent, pretty much how you play your game. But each game is only worth 40 points. It's either going to be 20-20 for a draw or some form of a differential there in to the point of one person gets 40, the other one gets zero. Gotcha. So that differential scoring is what draws a lot of it into line to figure out, you know, where you're going with your score because they don't do win-loss. To get into the top 16, it's straight points. That's it. How many points did you get? Okay. And so, like, example, this year was a prime example. There was two players that went 4-0, and they didn't get the top 16. Two players that went 3-1, and three wins, one loss, actually had more points than they did, so they moved on. I would be really upset about that if I was one of those guys. And those people were. They were. They were actually very upset because they were like, I won all my games, yet someone that lost their game went in. I'm a little upset at that. And so they've, they've kind of taken a little bit of feedback on that. Maybe they're going to adjust for next year. Maybe they won't. Not quite sure. Yeah. But they're definitely listening to feedback on it. So, yeah, that's very different game played at Adepticon versus uh, the other two big ones. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I use a really simple win-loss system where it's like add 10 points for victory, 5 for a tie, and 0 for a loss. And now you don't have this problem anymore. Exactly. Exactly. It solves a lot of that. And I 100%, I, I personally agree. I'm actually a huge fan of win-loss. I don't like battle points for that exact reason. Um, but yeah. I, I have also played at tournaments with differentials, and I've, you know, technically lost by a small amount, but the differential threw it so out of whack, I just got no points for it. And I'm just kind of like, well, this is dumb. Yeah. It, it, I feel like differential scoring actually punishes close spot games, and I don't like that. Yeah. You know, you could, you could have two really top end players battling it out to the wire for that one point. I barely got the win, but I got the win. And in differential scoring, that means they're both out of the tournament. Neither of them can move on pretty much. Yeah. So yeah, so that's, that's the general, that's kind of the general gist on, uh, on how the missions and the scoring go at Adepticon. Yeah. All right. Were there any kind of interesting moments, upsets? Well, um, I know one that has already kind of made its way a little bit around the internet. And I'll definitely kind of throw it up here since it's the one place where I kind of speak on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually disqualified myself out in round two. Oh, I did notice you only had one score. I wondered what happened there. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I DQ'd myself in the middle of round two. Mm-hmm. And uh, long story short, it's nothing uber big or, or you know extravagant. It was uh, so I wrote, I formally wrote my list where like you know I, I typed it up in our in that same LVO format that that we used to submit our list for LVO. Mm-hmm. I was putting it in that format at six thirty in the morning yesterday morning, coming over to the the Adepticon. and always a good time. Right? Horrible time, because as everyone knows, you should probably take a little bit of time to kind of double-check and proofread your stuff before you submit it. Well, this was one of those times. 
And so long story short, uh, I was running for one of my gene store cult attachments. I was running a mixed gene store cult attachment, meaning it wasn't, uh, mm. a single cult. It was different cults, kind of like how you use same Han on some units and Beelt Han on others and so on and so forth. Similar concept. Yeah. Especially, especially like in Yanyari lists. That's very true. So, so long story short, you made a list building error, it sounds like. Yeah. So, yeah. So what I did is, uh, there are, uh, I was labeling the different units in the detachment of what, uh, what cult they were from. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I had, a I had one unit in my detachment that was the, uh, Rust and Clock cult and every other unit in the detachment, I just made all the rest of them the cult of the four-armed emperor. Okay. And so I, I put the first one in and I literally just copy and pasted it down. Oh. Well, unfortunately, uh, three of the units, the, the Brood Brother infantry units, the basic troop choices that were in the detachment, um, they actually don't have the cult keyword. Ah. It's kind of like guardsmen. It's kind of like how there's certain guard units that don't have regiment. Like, uh, priests or scions? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Same exact concept. They actually don't have the cult keyword. They have the Brood Brothers keyword. And the G-Star cult, but they don't have the cult keyword. Gotcha. And so they actually don't have the whole cult of the formed emperor keyword. Uh, and I was midway through my second game, and one of my friends from uh, uh, Cleveland, back in Cleveland, messaged me in the middle of my game. He's like, hey, uh, some people are talking on the stream saying that there's something wrong with your list. What's going on? I'm like, I don't know. And so I, uh, he specifically said there was something wrong with uh, some of the units in my list or something. And mm-hmm. I, I, I turned to my opponent, who's a good friend, Justin Fitzfrado. He is a really good guy, a really good friend. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're in the middle of our game, and I look at him like, did I do something wrong in our game? He's like, I don't think so. So we spent like the next 10 minutes like tearing over the last turn and a half of the game trying to see if maybe I screwed up somewhere, which is hilarious because we're not even on stream, but I guess this conversation was going on. Mm-hmm. And finally, I was like, I, I picked, I was like, well, maybe it's something on my list. So I grabbed my list and I started tearing over it and tearing over it. I didn't find anything. I handed him the list. I'm like, dude, do you see something wrong with this? He tears over it for a couple minutes. No, I don't see anything on it. I had Brad Chester sitting right next to me. I handed it to him. I was like, Brad, do you see something on my list? Mm-hmm. Nope. I don't see anything. What's going on? And so I was like, I don't know. Something's supposed to be wrong with my list. And so I'm, I'm freaking out at this point. Of course. And uh, so I, I grab, and I finally I'm sitting there and I'm just stewing over it. And that's when it hit me. Oh. The the Brood Brothers. The Brood Brothers keyword. I was looking. I'm like, oh, shit. And so I, I look at Justin. I'm like, dude, give me a minute. Go ahead and do your movement phase. I'll be back in a minute. And so I walked up to the judges. And I, I pulled Jason, the head judge aside. And I was like, hey. uh I need to point something out. And I pointed out to him. I was like, hey, uh, I put these on here. It's actually illegal. It's a mistake. And uh, Jason looked at me and he's like, well, we knew about it. Um, we were just going to wait and see. You know, we've kind of been watching some of your games, waiting to see if it was going to be a problem or an issue or whatever. Because 90% of the time, just having a keyword doesn't cause an issue unless you try and use a strat that's obviously yeah. tied to that keyword, right? And uh, and obviously the the... Or, or the benefit of that keyword, such as the Grey Knights thing. Exactly. And so, uh, and, and the Forearmed Emperor cult, their stratagem is the Vect strat. They're the, they, they're the ones that have the Vect strat. And so, and obviously that requires you to have one of their units on the table. So. Yeah. Perception, perception very easily could be, could be skewed that, you know, what if I was using one of them on the table as the unit to use the Vect strat, right? And that's an obvious, that's an obvious issue. Very much an issue. Yes. Uh, they were waiting, and, and I, I brought it up to them, and they're like, well, you brought it to us. Um, what do you want to do about it? And I turned to him and said, well, I think the only real right thing to do here is I need to bow out. And he's like, well, you know, did it affect either of your games? Did you use the strat? I'm like, no, I didn't. But it really doesn't matter because it's still an illegal list, right? I mean, and that's at the end of the day, that's really what it matters here is mm-hmm. irrelevant of whether it was a made an, uh, an accident, an error, a minor error, or a big error. 
it doesn't really matter how big of the error or the mistake was. It's still a mistake. Yep. And, and at a certain point, and this is, this is really what it comes down to me because I've had a lot of people ask me over the last 24 hours why I DQ'd myself over this. If it didn't have any effect on my games, they were like, could you just like cross it out and move forward in the tournament? If I was anybody else, maybe. But your, your goal, your resolution was to play as cleanly and accurately as possible this year. There you go. Thank you for saying that, Shelly, because that's actually exactly the point I was going to make is, you know, if it was anybody else, maybe. But at a certain point, when you start playing your, your, you start playing it at a high enough caliber, a high enough level, and you, you hold yourself to playing at that caliber, you also need to hold yourself to the standards that are at that caliber. Okay. So if this was a, like, if I was just someone that was my second tournament ever, came to Adepticon and made this mistake, they probably would have done the exact that. They just cross it out, go play, have fun, you're good. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not, cause that's not the case here. Okay. You, you know, I play 50 to 60 events a year, more sometimes. And at this point, me submitting an illegal list, because I did, I submitted that, I uploaded it, I submitted that. That's on me. That's my mistake. Whether it was whether it was an accident or not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't change that it was my mistake. Mm-hmm. And it was a mistake that I had to accept. And so I was like, oops, shit, I screwed up. And so uh, I told Jason that that's kind of what I thought was the best course of action. He wanted to consult with the other judges. So I went back to my table. Justin and I kind of just kept playing our game. They came over a couple minutes later, said, hey, we need to talk to your opponent. They talked to my opponent for a couple minutes. I'm assuming they also talked to my first round opponent, probably trying to get, you know, full context of the situation. Uh, They're being thorough, which... Exactly. Good due diligence on a TO's part. 100% agree. Mm -hmm. And so uh, he came back over and he's like, hey, uh, we're going to take you up on that offer. I think it's a a good decision to just go ahead and bow out, blah, blah, blah. We'll just kind of move on. So they just went ahead and removed. They, in essence, they just removed me from the from the pairings from there on. They just pulled me out of BCP. Yeah. And, you know, Justin and I were sitting there. We're like, well, you know, we've got another two hours. You just want to finish the game and play it out. Just have fun. Sure. So we finished our game. We had a great time. Good old game, you know. Uh, so yeah, we finished our game, had fun. And I just spent the rest of the day just kind of hanging out and having a good time. But so that was really the only major drama that I saw. And ironically, I did watch a good chunk of the of the top sixteen today. Oh yeah. Um, and it really wasn't. There really wasn't a whole lot of drama. I mean, there wasn't a major any major upsets. I haven't heard of anything big or issues going on. Um, one big one big upset though was Nick Nanavani got knocked out by Brian Hancock in the semifinals. Mm. And that was huge. Uh, it was orc-on-orc action going on on that table, and uh, Nick Nanavani got taken out. So that was that was a huge, like, whoa, really? And so that was that was pretty impressive to see. And then uh, Sean Naden just got knocked out by Chris Blackham. Uh, Chris Blackham running a variant of Alex Harrison's flyer list from LVO. Okay, there you go. Um, so, and right now, I believe it's uh, right now the, the top four are playing right now. It's Chris Blackham versus Jim Vessel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Juice is playing against Stephen Pamprine. And Juice is running Gene Circle. Really awesome. Very different Gene Circle than what I was running. So it's really kind of cool to see different takes on that going well. Excellent. And, uh, Stephen Pamprine's running his orcs really well. And Jim Vassell's running the typical plague bearer. Uh, uh, demon prince kind of character bomb that everyone's been been seeing for a while. Yep. And then of course Chris Blackham is running a modification of Alex Harrison's flyer Eldar list. So those are the top four. Which I mean that's a pretty wide diversity, right? I mean everyone's talking about diversity. That's some pretty wide diversity right there. Hey, we've got demons up there. We got orcs. Eldar again. Anyways, yeah. So I mean, every, like right, exactly. Everyone's been talking about the the seeing the variety and the versatility in the game. The other thing I want to point out that's kind of crazy right now to think about. Everyone's talking about how broke the Castellan is, right? Yep, it's not in the top. It wasn't in the top sixteen at all. 
Um, I think there was one. There was one Fortnite list that made it into the top 16. That was it. And I want to point out, this is on a, on a, on a, on a, on a format where the tables are notorious for being light on terrain. So the knight should be doing even better here. Well, you don't have Brandon Grant. Right? We don't have a Grant. We need a Grant. We don't have a robot. We need a Grant up here. You know, someone needs to be like, hey, Brandon, <laughs> someone needs to buy his ticket, fly his ass out here next year so he can go curb stomp some Adepticon players. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> well, I will also point out that, like, hordes of bodies is a really survivable tactic in the lack of line of sight terrain. It is. So people generally build towards that. So. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And that's, and that's actually, uh, uh, the the amount of night lists that I saw yesterday was actually pretty astounding, to be fully honest. There's so many different night lists out there. So yeah, it's it's that that's the other problem is they're not very fun for the mid tier players after a while. No, oh, no. I am so sick of nights. <laughs> that makes two of us. One hundred percent agree. I'm hoping the nerf comes through and does something. Finally, does something to that. <laughs> I've I've heard rumors on the on the wind, and so I'm I'm hoping to see some stuff come through for that. So yeah, um. But yeah, so that was, uh, that's kind of how the champs has gone. And I'm actually really, really impressed. They're, they're coming close to finishing up here and, uh, definitely going to see who's going to walk out as the champion this year. Excellent. Well, uh, thanks for being our boots on the ground there, Josh. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Let's see. Uh, do you have any quick little last minute advice you would give for a would be Adepticon attendee? Yes, very much so. One, uh, bring water, hydrate. All right. It's a, because of the amount of bodies that are here at this event, it's a, it's a much larger population event. It gets hotter. It gets a lot hotter. And, uh, you're definitely, you're doing four rounds. Yeah. Wear comfortable clothing, wear something that breathes and definitely bring, I mean, you're going to want to hydrate bad because the one thing that is very common at Adepticon is a lot of people drink. It's very easy, very popular. They even have a little beer cart that goes around through the event and really just sells alcohol off a little rolling bike cart with a little bell on it. This sounds like a recipe for disaster. Oh, yeah. It depends on your perspective. Yes, very much so it is. And so I definitely recommend hydrate really, really seriously. It's uh, get, drink a lot of water, stay on it. And especially because a lot of people aren't ready for four rounds in one day. That's huge. A lot of people aren't ready for that. And if you're not, I would definitely kind of try and get ready for that endurance challenge because it kind of is four rounds in one day, especially when that last round really puts a lot of pressure on you is difficult for people. But the other thing I recommend to people is don't like if it, you're coming to your first Adepticon, they have this big schedule that you can just kind of, you know, load up with all these different events you want to do. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Do like three, two or three like events that you really like pick two or three things you really want to do. Build yourself breaks. Exactly. Because there's stuff going on all the time. You literally can just drop into a room and find stuff to do. And there's stuff you're going to want to do. Like you're going to walk around like, dude, I didn't even know that was going on. I wish I would have known. I would be able to go do that right now. But I have this other thing I need to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Leave yourself that time. Truly, truly, truly leave yourself that time. Pick two or three things that you really want to do while you're here and leave yourself the rest of the time to just really enjoy this con. Because unlike LVO, unlike part of Nova, this one is a full con. There's wicked amounts of stuff going on and you really want to make sure you have the chance to explore and, and, and really enjoy it. To people who are interested in BAO this year, it's been attached to Kubala Con, something like that, which means there's a real con. Kubala Con, it's such an awesome event. Been there, been there. It's a great event. Dude, Kubala Con's an amazing event. Yeah, yeah. Well, BAO's attached to that now. So if you want to do con or have an SO who does con, make sure you have room for con. But if you're doing the tournament, you probably don't have room for con. Oh, yeah. Almost 99.9% likely to also meet Doc the Dragon, Glenn Boski. Mm-hmm. He is an amazing guy. He has been in Warhammer longer than I can remember. He was actually an inspiration 
for me when I was younger. He, he, watching what Doc did for the community, what he did for not only the competitive community, but for Warhammer community in general, when I was younger and coming up into this scene, mm. he, he was what Reese is now back then. Excellent. And I mean that honestly, like with, with full sincerity. Doc was amazing and he, that I know of, he just recently got back into competitive 40k. So you're likely to see him at KublaCon because that's his back door. So anyone that has a chance, go. And if you have a chance to see Dr. Lombowski, Dr. the Dragon. Dragons is, is, uh, is kind of his handle in the Warhammer world. Shake his hand, say hi. You'll probably know him by this giant black cowboy hat that he wears. All I know is that he brings Grey Knights, and I beat him out for best of Grey Knights every time we go. Yes, he, he does Grey Knights well. Uh, <laughs> Not as well as I do. No, no. Well, you are you are the Lady of Titan for a reason. There's a reason for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, no, no, no nonsense to Doc there. I'd actually love to play you sometime, man. There it is. Challenge thrown. Best Grey Knight player. Gauntlet's out. Doc, you must answer. Unfortunately, I will not be at BAO to accept that challenge. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm I'm actually, you know, fingers crossed. I'm not 100% sure yet, but I'll probably know within the week whether I will actually be at BAO this year. Keep your fingers, keep yourself on the wire, guys. And uh, if I'm there, come find me. Yep, uh, he will most certainly be hanging out with Sean, and Shaylin will give them the gift of t-shirts so they can be matching girls without me. Yay, t-shirts! I'll also give you guys pom-poms. I'm okay with this. <laughs> I'm surprisingly okay with this. <laughs> well, I wouldn't be co-casting with you if you weren't okay with things like that. Right. <laughs> um, Alright, I'm gonna go ahead and sign off here. Alright. This has been awesome. I, I definitely recommend all you guys to uh, get a chance if you ever haven't gotten out of the Adepticon. Definitely make the trip. It's worth it. Well, now that I have money, I might do that. This would be awesome. We'll definitely make it. We'll make it a thing. One of these years, we're doing it. <laughs> finest hour. Finest hour live at Adepticon. It's going to happen. Yes. All right. Thanks for being with us, Josh. All right. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you all for listening. Hope you're having a great time wherever you are, and maybe we'll see you around at Adepticon sometime. Cheers! <laughs>